0: I'm Kim Grenells of Dogman.com. It is, this isn't going to be released until probably, what, Wednesday morning, but it's Thursday night and we just had a staff Wait a di- second,
1: it's Wednesday morning, but it's Thursday night?
0: Oh, yeah. Well, Tuesday
1: night, actually.
0: But <laughs> Is it Tuesday night? Did I say? Okay. Yeah. But Tuesday night and we'll release this Wednesday morning and uh, we're actually over at my house where we had a staff dinner and just kind of a brainstorming session, just gearing up for the season. And how are the steaks, guys?
2: Unbelievable. Good i've
0: had better
2: just, just kidding it was very good
0: uh luke had double vegetables and uh he double also cheesecake he had double cheesecake and i spent all night making the cheesecake <laughs> double
2: but, beer and double wine too yeah you know? we, had,
0: we had a bottle of passing time wine damon Heward, props to damon Heard, the I passing, learned something in college. yeah the <laughs> passing time was awesome but uh, thursday uh we will be meeting with coach pete press conference and that's what 11 30 on thursday 11 15 11, 30, something like that. we'll be all over that and then practice starts on friday and we believe that's going to be somewhere around three o'clock in the afternoon and from our understanding most of the practices are going to be three-ish we haven't got times yet which makes it a little difficult on us but we'll deal with it but uh Camp opens on Friday, so looking forward to getting the ball rolling. A lot of really cool stuff planned for us at dogman.com. want to switch up the coverage a little bit more, but uh, needless to say we'll be bigger, bolder, and stronger and uh, just try to really get you guys as much information as we possibly can. But come Friday, Chris Fetters, what are you looking forward to seeing most?
1: I'm just looking forward to seeing guys getting out there and kind of doing their thing. I mean, it's been too long. Obviously, you know, end of April with – Spring ball, I think they ended off on a good note, but obviously it sounds like some guys made some big progress. Even this summer, you listened to Jake Browning during the Pac-12 media days. He talked about Aaron Fuller, talked about some other guys. So I'm just going to be excited to see the, the, the beginning of fall camp again. That first day of fall camp is always just kind of, um, what, what, what do you like to say? It's like, like uh, drinking water through a fire hose. I oh, mean, yeah. it's just... You know, you're going to be taking pictures of every single guy out there, every single coach. You're going to be trying to take mental notes of all the new guys out there, all the true freshmen. How do they look? Um, you know, see some of the guys coming back, and you know, just in general, just the beginning of the beginning of, of fall camp is always the one that seems to have the most excitement.
0: Luke Monger, what are you looking forward to on uh, Friday?
3: Yeah, I think Chris touched a lot of it, but one thing that I'm excited for, and what made me really excited about fall camp, was uh, writing that 10 breakout player. Uh, article that ran on Tuesday like how difficult it was to to pick 10 breakout players in a team that returns so much talent it's a really talented team Tons of depth. I know there's been a lot of conversation on the message boards about how much depth there is just on the roster. So it's going to be exciting to go out there and see how many, not only like returners are coming back with a lot of experience and a lot of playing time under their belt, but then the new guys coming in and adding stuff to the mix too. It'll just be exciting to kind of see the whole comprehensive roster all in one. Scott Eklund, looking forward to what?
2: Um, I think the first thing is uh, the three biggest injured, the three most important injured players. Trey Adams, Jordan Miller, Chico McClatcher, see them out on the field. We didn't see any of them during the spring. I have a feeling Jordan Miller, Chico McClatcher will be full go. I think Trey Adams will be someone that's going to be a little, uh, they're going to be a little bit more careful with and just make sure he's ready to go by the time Auburn game starts. And I think the other one is it's always exciting for me being the recruiting guy. I know you guys follow it too, but being the recruiting guy, I've been covering these guys that they signed back in December and February. And now it's my chance to actually see them out on the field in Husky uniforms it, with Husky numbers on, with Husky helmets on. What does Marquis Spiker look like? Is he going to be able to challenge Ty Jones and Austin Osborne and some of the, and, uh, Fuller and some of these other guys? Um, you know, how do the, the two quarterbacks that came in early look? Do they look more polished than they did where they were swimming like crazy in the spring? So those are kind of my most exciting things.
0: And my thing is, you know, just, you know, the first practice we don't see a whole lot, but Chris, and, and I think you'll agree with this, we've been doing this a long time. It doesn't take long for us to really see there's some freshmen that will play. And, I, you know, a perfect example was uh, Taylor Rapp. It didn't take a rocket scientist to know that Taylor Rapp was a guy.
1: Right, but, but at the same time in
0: that class, we were surprised that Miles Bryant played and, Byron Murphy didn't. But we had a different reasoning for that, too. We thought that they wanted to so that they could save that red shirt. You know, we didn't expect uh, Miles Bryant to be the player he was. We thought that they you played Miles Bryant so they didn't have to play By- Byron Murphy. Right. Point
1: being, though, is that they know what their situation is and they have a pretty specific read on how things are going to go based on what their needs are and based on how they anticipate some of these guys are going to be used. And that goes all the way back to the evaluations that they put in on these guys to go recruit them as hard as they did in the first place. Um, It is going to be interesting because they do have a number of walk-ons as well coming in. So that's also going to be a a kind of an interesting feature because You know, for instance, they moved Tevis Bartlett inside linebacker, but now they have a couple more inside guys like uh, Jeffrey Lafoscio who played at Bishop Gorman who had some Division One offers and still uh, decided to walk on to Washington anyway. So they've done a nice job um, not just recruiting the the scholarship guys, but they've also gotten some quality walk-ons too.
0: You know, Scott, when we talk about a guy like Taylor Rapp being obvious and Washington, of course, loaded, and you know, last year's freshman with um, Brandon McKinney, Keith Taylor, and um, uh, Elijah Molden, these three cornerbacks that they're bringing in this year are If they're not as talented, they may be more talented than what came in last year. Oh, I
2: know. Kyler Gordon, uh, Julius Servin, and and, um, the guy who a lot of people sleep on is Mm. Dominic Campton. I mean, you don't see a lot of guys who are 6'2", 6'3", who can cover like he does. He's got great ball skills. I I honestly would would not be surprised if all three of those guys play. I don't think they're going to. I think they might get those four games and then redshirt, whatever it is. But... um, you know, I I really really am excited to see what those guys look like in the secondary.
1: I, I'm actually curious, Scott, for your take on because I don't know if I've ever asked you this. What do you think are the kind of the differences that people are going to see between Dominique Campton and what a guy like Keith Taylor was about? Because physically, they they have kind of the same measurables. Well,
2: honestly, there isn't much difference in in the way they play the game. Um, Keith Taylor was playing against better competition because right. he was at Servite. Um, and Dominic Hampton was, was in the best league in uh, in uh, Arizona, but it's not comparable to the Trinity League. But then you throw in the fact that they did play um, – who's that one from uh, Florida that – I am No, no. Um, oh, shit. St. Thomas Aquinas. They played – and they were a top five team in the country when they played them. And they shut him – well, they didn't shut him out, but they. Dominic Campton didn't get a completion thrown on him in that game. Yeah. So the kid can play, and, and I really am excited to see what he brings to the table.
0: You know, I think there's a lot of depth across the table on this roster, but, Luke, I think one of the questions, you know, the questionable positions out there is linebacker. You know, they've got Tevis Bartlett, Kyler Manu. Um, it's, it's escaping me, the guy that uh, really stepped up. That was ben her, Burkirvan. Ben Burkirvan, no. Um, DJ Beavers. Oh, D- you know what are we going to see out of the linebacking crew, and I think that's going to be interesting because that's I think that's a position as well as wide receiver, but I think linebacker is the position yeah. where they really need to see somebody step up.
3: It'll be interesting, you know, because you have two very two of the most experienced guys on the defense expected to really lock down the starting jobs, being Tevis Bartlett and Ben Burkhart. But then you look at guys like DJ Beavers and Brandon Wellington, who have each flashed. Individually in their first couple of years of playing, but have also dealt with injuries. So then you look at a guy like Kyler manu who got a lot of second team reps during spring ball. Uh, Matt Preston and Jake Wombaugh were some walk ons who benefited from opportunities of more snaps because of injuries. And then you think of the freshmen coming in as well. You have Jackson Sermon and you have MJ Tafisi. And then you think of Ale kaho as well, whether he plays outside or inside, he's projectable basically at all four positions for the linebackers that UW uses. So I think there are a lot of bodies. That's one of the things, when you look at both receiver and linebacker, two positions of concern, there are lots of bodies and lots of talents. It's who's going to be that guy that steps up. It's not necessarily a bad problem to have any of that many bodies, but it needs to be a guy or two that really emerges from those younger players. And
0: Chris, a lot of people are concerned. You know, Washington lost Vita Vea. That's all they lost on the D line. They're bringing everybody else back. That's all they lost. That's only a top twelve, only a top twelve guy in the
1: draft. You know, only a guy that you know people consider maybe one of the best defensive linemen in the Pac twelve since Aloni Nada. But they got or, everybody
0: coming back.
1: Yeah, it's true. They do. I mean, they have. I mean, Greg Gaines. You talked to Greg Gaines after the Fiesta Bowl, and he was pretty matter of fact. I think we were all kind of shocked at how matter of fact he was, in, in stating his intent to return to Washington for a senior season. So you've got him anchoring things, but then you've got Jalen Johnson, Levi Anzorique, um, you you got Shane Bowman coming back, and we saw what they were able to do with a guy like Tawny Chupot to get him to really ramp up his senior season. I it wouldn't shock me at all to see a guy like Shane Bowman really ramp up his senior play and as well. Jalen Johnson. No, yeah, I mentioned Jalen Johnson, but you know, then you've got you've got all these talented true freshmen. Uh, you've got Thule. Latui gasinoa you've got Sam Taimani, um, you, tra- you got well, yeah, you've got uh Nasili Liu, um, Mosiah, and then you've also got Drake Bynum, You know, so those those are four guys that are that are either like US Army all Americans or Paul uh all Americans, or you know, there's some pretty talented guys that are coming through. And uh, so it'll be really interesting to see, you know, you talk about Luke talked about the, the linebackers and some of those true freshmen, see who comes through. I'm kind of curious how they're, going to, how they're going to break up the classes with these true freshman defensive linemen because I could really see a guy like Thule playing, but I also think that a guy like Taimani, and especially now Mosiah, since he's now about 300 pounds, I could see that guy coming up through the ranks as well, and um, providing some, some spark and some difference as true freshmen. So uh, there's a lot that could go on with that lineup, but there's a lot of guys coming back. Josiah Bronson, we haven't talked about him either. He's a you know he's a guy that could make a difference.
0: But when you know you talk to Coach Pete, you know he's talked about you know where you know it's pretty obvious that some guys are ready to play and some guys aren't. But then, then as the season kind of goes along, it becomes evident that towards the end of the year they're ready to play.
1: Well, right, and and here's where that we haven't really talked about it yet. But the redshirt rule, there's a new redshirt rule where now they can play four games throughout the season. And as and, and far as I'm concerned, it's it includes the bowl game. Excuse me, it includes the bowl game as well. So, you know, you've got a situation where you could stagger it a little bit. You could have different guys playing earlier games. You could get guys playing more in the middle if they catch on. You could get guys that play near the end of the season if they catch on. I think a lot of it just has to do with the gut feel for those position coaches and them saying, okay, I think the light's starting to go on with this kid. Let's put him out there a little bit. Let's see what he can do. And by them still being able to play four games, Kim, without having to burn a redshirt or lose a, a lose a season of eligibility, I think that could play huge, especially when you have so many guys, whether it's at defensive line or in the secondary or some of these other places where you could kind of rotate, well, gives, guys, gives coaches a lot of options. Well,
0: just imagine, Scott, I mean, come up with the Apple Cup. And uh, who's this next to last game? Not Washington State. Who's, who do they have for Washington State?
3: Oregon State Oregon State I, I
0: mean they could bring they could conceivably bring Hunter Bryant back for that Wazoo game, the championship game, the semifinal game and the national championship game, you know. So what a nice yeah. addition that would be.
2: Oh, he would absolutely be a great addition and and um you know, I, I love listening to Pete trying to fend off the people who are you know, trying to guess whether he's going to be able to play. He, he said, "What is he saying?" Late October is what it's looking like. Yeah, is yeah. when he'll probably be able to play. But you yeah. know, I mean, yeah. he would be an unbelievable addition to because he's such a matchup problem. But that's if his knees is one hundred percent or whatever they did the operation on is one hundred percent, and that's not the point yet. You well, know,
1: what I well, to be honest, Kim, what I find interesting is is if they had known about this four game red shirt rule before, like or like before last season had started, for instance, but they didn't necessarily implement it until this coming season. I'm wondering if they would have even played him at all, knowing that they could play him this coming year up to four games and still be able to keep a red shirt on him. You know, I, I think these are, these are situations where it offers up so many different options now for guys. And a guy like Hunter... I don't think they're going to move him very quickly if they have to because they saw what happened when they tried to rush him to bring him back for the Fiesta Bowl. And, you know, like Dante Pettis, you don't have a choice because it's his last game. You're going to have to try to get him in somehow, some way. But a guy like Hunter Bryant...
0: You could see the, 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 what happened when they tried to rush He's truly a difference maker, but it's not like they're lacking for talent. I think Kate Otten is definitely a guy to keep an eye on. But they're just loaded at tight end. But, you know, Luke, I wanted to get back over where we were talking about wide receivers, where they really need to step up, yeah. one of the two positions. That second position where they really need somebody to step up is going to be wide receiver. Yeah. And I think they had two uh, guys who redshirted last year that uh, I think could surprise some people.
3: Yeah, I was actually I was super impressed with Alex Cook throughout spring uh, I thought that he had a phenomenal spring, and that's not to say Terrell Bynum didn't. If I remember correctly, Terrell Bynum had a couple practices that he was missing, sometime with not a full participant. But those are those are both really good talents, and then you factor in this four game red shirt rule or the, the, the tweak to the red shirt rule, basically, uh, with three more really really big talents coming in at wide receiver. Uh, I mean, obviously, you want to figure out the situation as soon as you can, but the Huskies have kind of now this longer runway to kind of figure out who's going to step up. And I know we're not talking about him necessarily, we're talking about young guys, but while we're talking about receivers, uh, I've I've talked about it a couple times, writing it in breakout players or position previews, but... Uh, Aaron Fuller is a guy that Jake Browning mentioned as a guy that was an MVP of the summer and I think that he is stepping into an opportunity where he can really kind of take the lead and I know that you were big on Aaron Fuller in the spring as well.
0: Yeah and and Scott I think that one of the guys out there you know he was here early as a freshman Ty Jones he got here for uh, spring ball he had all last season and then he's going to have this uh, spring ball as well as this fall camp and I think this could be a breakout time for Ty Jones to really step up
2: Yeah it, it needs to be Washington needs a big target like him with a big catch radius he's got all that, he's a legit 6'3", 6'4", a little over 200 pounds, he can get it done He, but he needs to get it done and he needs to be that big target because Washington doesn't have a number one receiver on this team currently if they can figure that out this offense is going to be that much more explosive.
0: And see, I'm not convinced that they have to have a number one wide receiver. If they've got, you know, three guys that are good enough to be number two receivers and really spread the ball around, you know, I think that's a big benefit too. Did that benefit them last year? Well, they only had Dante Pettis. They really had nobody else who really stepped up. I know. Well,
2: right now, that's all they have right now, and they don't really even have that. Yeah. So Washington's got, I mean, they really need to figure out their wide receiver position. And I think the coaches, if they were sitting here right now in a candid moment, they'd say, yeah, we've got a long way to go.
0: Yeah, and you know, when we get, stay on the uh, skill guys, when we take a look at the running backs, of course, we've got Miles Gaskin, who's going to be the all time leading rusher at Washington, the explosiveness of uh, um, uh, Savin Ahmed, but uh, kind of the wild card, I think it's time for Sean McGrew to step up mm-hmm. as well.
3: Yeah, and then also the other guy, Sean McGrew, is, like you said, very explosive. Uh, I, I liked the way that you described him, the like cat quick, right, when you were talking about, like, Sean McGrew has an explosiveness that I think is comparable to a guy like Savon Ahmed. He's a little smaller. But then another guy that I think people need to have an eye on is Kamari Pleasant. I think he's a guy that the Huskies need to have the lights turn on for him because you think about what you're losing in LeVon Coleman, and you're losing not only a guy who could take some carries, but a guy who could get get it done in the blocking game, you know, and Kamari Pleasant has the body to be that kind of,
0: like-for-like like replacement. And, Chris, I think we're going to get a real good idea on Sean McGrew real quick uh, just by when he walks out on the field. Has he been in the weight room? And I think that's going to be the true test with Sean McGrew.
1: Well, I don't know about that because, I mean, he still was a California Gatorade State Player of the Year in, in arguably the toughest conference in California. Um, you know, he's his vision and his patience and everything else, I mean, he's not going to be asked to be an every-down guy, Kim. So, I mean, we can throw that out right away. But, I, like Luke said, I, I really do – I think that a guy like Kabari Pleasant could be a real surprise. Uh, again, I'd go back to the Colorado game when he had to fill in for LeVon Coleman, and he showed that he could block, he showed that he could pass protect, he showed that he could get tough yards when he needed to. And so that's a guy I'm really excited to see if he could be a third guy because when it comes down to it, um, it's a situation where they need a third guy to step up. Could it be Kamari Pleasant? Could it be Sean Magoo? Could it be Richard Newton? I mean, we're not even talking about the true freshman. We have no idea what he's going to be like, but he's a guy that has size. He's six one. He's about, what, maybe 185 or so? And um, I know they like his IQ. I know they like his versatility. I know they like the fact he can catch the ball in the backfield. But to me, that kind of sounds like what Kamari Pleasant was a couple of years ago. So I think the light's got to go on with him.
0: And, you know, one of the guys on the offense staying with the skilled guys, I think one of the guys, you know, one of the few guys they have that can take the top off the defense is a guy that we've known for a long, long time, and we all really, really like Chico McClatcher, not only on the field but off the field as well, Scott.
2: Yeah, and he was one of the ones that I mentioned at the beginning that I'm interested to see because he hasn't been on the field since, what, early October? Mm-hmm. Is that when yeah, it was? Colorado yeah, he got Colorado him. game. So. You know, we've got to see what, what he is. I'm assuming he's probably going to be back to 100%. Same old Chico, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. And if he is, that's going to be a huge benefit to Washington. The problem with Chico, though, is he's more of a slot guy and not an outside guy. And Washington needs to find those outside guys at the receiver spot.
0: But it's going to be interesting, you know, or is Chico going to get some uh, reps lining up in the backfield? I think he's going. he could be a terror on the fly sweeps yeah. like Jadon Micken used to be.
3: Well, well I, I remember one one of my – most vivid memories of my three years so far here is uh, at the University of Washington is Washington's first touchdown in 2016. Uh, Chico McClatcher, they motioned him out of the backfield, and a linebacker followed him outside, and he scored on a deep ball against Rutgers. And you know, with a player as versatile as Chico McClatcher, a defense isn't going to think twice if Chico McClatcher lines up in the backfield. Then you have a mass. Then you have a Mitch Mass or mix.
1: Mismatch. mismatch, mismatch.
3: Yes, okay. you know. So that's a mix m- match, and that's what Washington obviously tries to do. You, you know, they they're they're always doing formation shifts and motions and stuff like that. But Chico McClatcher is a guy that's vers- that's so versatile that stuff like that doesn't surprise you with him.
1: Well, I would say too that if for some reason Chico isn't coming back at 100 percent health or has to be limited on some carries, maybe at the beginning of fall, and then gets more and more as the season goes on. Trey Lowe can be a like-for-like guy. Trey Lowe is a guy that ran the ball a ton last year for Jesuit in the backfield, um, can go out and catch passes. He can be that, you know, you talk about a guy that takes the top off an, of a defense. Um, Kim, he's another guy that I think people could, surpri- could surprise some people, and he could definitely be one of those freshmen that plays a lot.
0: Scott, how long is it going to take? How many practices is it going to take for us to figure out who's going to be the starting left tackle at Auburn? Oh,
2: I well, I remember a couple times. Remember when Drew Schaefer was the left tackle? Uh, this was under Kazetto The left tackle all through camp, and Ben Reva was the right tackle, or maybe it was Reva was the right ta- or was the left tackle, and Drew Schaefer was the right tackle. And we thought that was going to be it. And when they lined up to start the season, it was Drew Schaefer at center and Ben Reva at right tackle. So I think the coaches just try out a bunch of stuff. And it's when we, they have those closed practices is when they really figure out who's going to play where and why they're playing there. And uh, I think as long as Trey Adams is healthy, I think he'll be the guy. But, it, but if he's not healthy... He's not going to be the guy, and I think it's going to be Henry Roberts.
0: And everything I've heard, you know, is that uh, everything's geared towards Henry, uh, excuse me, Trey being ready for Pac-12 play. Exactly. And that's what I keep on hearing from sources I trust, but uh, I, I still think it's going to be Henry Roberts over there, unless they slide Luke Wattenberg, who played over there last year. At the
1: same time, though, you see him jumping around, you know, during some of these pictures, that, they, that the, the university actually puts out on their own. Off-season workouts. Off-season workouts, and, and you're seeing jumping around with Caleb McGarry and doing all these things, you'd expect a guy who's getting ready for that first game as well. I would tend to agree with you, Kim. I don't think he's going to be 100% ready. I think it is more important for them to be ready for like Utah on the road, for instance, I think could be a much bigger game in the in the larger scope of
0: things, but we'll see what happens. Scott, you've known Henry for a long time, you know, and he's kind of a goofy, real smart kid. But to me, in this spring, it seemed like the light came on. Actually, the light
2: looked like it started to come on with him. And I talked to Coach Huff about this during the season, or right after the season. Actually, was during the season. He said the light kind of came on midway through the season, and. He thought that he played really well toward the end, and then that's one of the reasons they wanted to try him out at left tackle during the spring, and that's why toward the end of spring, Scott Huff said even in then, uh, we would feel no problem throwing him out there at left tackle. That's why we put him there.
1: Well, and, and, and he played all of spring at left t- I mean that first team didn't change at all. It was him at left tackle, Caleb at right tackle, Uh, the guards were Luke Wattenberg and uh, Matt James, and then Nick Harris was getting all his snaps at center taking over for uh, Coleman Shelton, so that first line, offensive line, never changed at all this past spring.
0: Well, I still think, you know, the position that's up for grabs here. I still think the uh, right guard position with, you know, who, they had Matt James there quite a bit, I still think that's up for grabs.
2: Well, I mean, who do you guys think? Let's say Trey Adams, let's say he's not ready for Auburn, but let's say it's ready. he's ready for the Utah game. Starting against Utah, who is your, what is your offensive line? Because mine would be uh, Adams, Wattenberg, Harris, and then uh, Roberts.
0: At
1: right guard. At right guard. Yeah, well, he's, he's been a right-sided player for a long time, and that's why kind of the move to left tackle this spring caught some people, off, including myself, got a little, a little off guard. Um, no pun intended. Mm-hmm. But
3: mm.
1: but playing him at right guard would be totally I would be right in his wheelhouse, I would think. I mean, you know, you've started to see that these guys – the way they're getting coached up by Coach Huff is that they're kind of they're not being a one-sided player. If you're gonna play tackle, learn both positions. If you're gonna be a guard, play both inside positions and even get some snaps in if you can. So I think that there's some position versatility there. It wouldn't shock me at all if Trey Adams did play against Auburn, that uh, Henry Roberts ends up at that right guard spot.
0: Yeah, offensive line. I mean, you know, we were talking to you know Andy, who called earlier when we were out on the deck. And, uh, you know, Andy was just, you know, looking at the post that Auburn Dog made and just saw the quality of the depth and how much depth and quality was there. And when you take a look at the offensive line, you know, they finally got some depth there. They still got some youngsters there, too. But, uh, you, know, uh, I, you know, I think this offensive line is going to be good for a long time from here on out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, quarterback, you know Jake Browning, of course, but uh, I think Jake Hayner is pretty much locked in as the backup. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they utilize uh, Yankoff and Sermon. And uh, you know, I, I don't. I, uh, you got to believe at some point each one of those guys is going to play, Chris.
1: Well, you do, and I think again, this this is why I put them in in the the number one, the number five spot of my five position battles to watch this fall, not because of their the intrigue about the backup because I think it's pretty clear. Jake Hayner is going to be the backup. There's absolutely no doubt about that. What I think is interesting though is with this redshirt rule and playing four games, how are they going to split up those reps for, for Colson Yankoff and for Jacob Sermon? Because the old redshirt rule, if you had gotten past like the Utah game, for instance, if either one of those guys had to play since past that point, they would have used up a season of eligibility. Now, You could have a guy that maybe gets it a little quicker than the other. They could maybe play some reps a little bit earlier in the season. And then when the other guy gets it, you could filter them in as well. And they don't all necessarily have to get these just kind of mop-up style reps. Um, I think it's going to be real key also that Jake Heiner gets as many reps as he can possibly get. Because if if Jake Browning does go down for some reason, you're really going to want to get him in there and hopefully with a little bit of experience under his belt because you got to remember yes they're bringing in a guy who's going to be a four-year starter jake browning but behind
0: him literally none of those other guys have even taken one snap of live action and when we talk about you know positions where we need people to step up at wide receiver and linebacker i think the scariest position right now is uh you know right now the field goal kicker and the place kicker right now because i think that's really unsettled
1: yeah i mean anybody want to comment on that
0: no. <laughs> Kim, is
1: right. Kim is right. Kim's right. There well, I mean, it's, it's, it's glaringly obvious. I mean, Tristan Viscaino did what he what he could last year, but I think he was 12 of 18, 12 of 19, whatever he was. And then obviously what happened at Arizona State is something that no one wants to relive um, in terms of, you know, when you're missing 22, 23-yard field goals, uh, that's a glaring, glaring issue.
2: You know what got me worried about it was one of the reasons why Boise State didn't play in a BCS game when you're – was because they lost to Nevada because their kicker couldn't hit anything. Reminded me of the Arizona State game. We can't see more of that. Also,
1: remember, go back to the Boise State game, Jake Brownie's very, very first game. They had a chance to tie it with the very last kick with uh, Cameron Van Winkle. I think it was about a mid-40 yarder, 42, 43 yarder. Didn't make it. Boise State wins the game. So, Chris Peterson, if anybody knows just how important that stuff is. Luke
0: Munger, there's a, you know, Washington's first drive against Auburn down in Atlanta. You know, Washington lines up for a 42 yard field goal on their opening drive, scores 0 0. Who's kicking?
3: Right now? Oh, you can't put that on me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, now you sound like one of the kickers.
3: <laughs> yeah, I know, I do sound like one of the kickers. You I'll know? Heard so,
0: what was that?
2: Peyton, Peyton Henry. All right.
3: Whoever does is going to split it, though, right down the middle three
0: points. (laughs) Yeah, it just seems like – it just seems like – why am I spacing on his name? Not Peyton Henry, the other guy. Van Soderbergh. Van Soderbergh. It just seems – I don't know why I spaced on that, but it just seems like, you know, the the last couple of years, Van Soderbergh hasn't been 100% healthy either.
1: Well, I think there's been – there's some of that. I think there's definitely some of that. But then again, when you go into a a clutch situation and you're asked to kick – it's with the assumption that you're healthy enough to kick, right? I mean, it, you shouldn't be under the assumption that the coaches are putting him putting him in a situation where he's not going to be successful, right? So I, I can't imagine that injury is going to be the problem there. And for all I know, he was healthy, completely healthy this this past spring.
0: Yeah, you know, and this is, you know, kickers, I mean, the Arizona State game last year, you know, if they've had some quality pay, place kicking and made some easy kicks, you know, that was a win instead of a loss, and that changes, you know, the postseason. Well, I don't time. know if it's
1: a win, but it, it, it sends them to overtime.
0: Yeah, you know, so, you know, I, I, unfortunately, you know, you can win games with kickers, but you, you could certainly lose them as well. Well, yeah.
1: No, I mean, like I said, you've got that game, but then you've also got Viz splitting the uprights to beat Utah. So, I mean, we've seen both sides of it. And so Peterson obviously understands it. He's the one that coaches up the returners. And so he, you know, he's literally invested in trying to make sure that these guys are as good as they can possibly be. And he understands the value of special teams. That's never been a concern.
0: Thursday, Coach Pete. Friday first day of practice we're geared up for a lot of stuff photo galleries a lot of practice breaking everything down uh, you know we're changing things up again this year so any uh, just lots of stuff coming for us at dogman com and just a reminder if you want those daily updates you know once we start everything gearing up on uh, Thursday if you want those daily updates in your inbox just shoot us a note at husky stadium at gmail.com subject line newsletter we'll go ahead and get those newsletters out to you uh, pretty much every day you'll get them pretty Pretty regularly as well as any breaking news. So, Chris Fetters, final thoughts? And by the way, one more time, huskystadium at gmail.com. Any final thoughts, Chris Fetters?
1: I think we covered it pretty well. Again, just excited to see some football and get ready for it. And I know the first, the first day is going to be crazy. We're going to have a ton of content for you guys. And then uh – You know, we'll be doing podcasts pretty much after every practice as well. So we're going to just try to keep you guys as informed as we can.
0: Nobody's going to break it down like we will.
1: Luke Monger.
3: Yeah. One thing I'm excited to see, obviously, the first couple practices, a lot of it will be the new guys getting acclimated to the speed of like a college football practice and a lot of install and stuff like that. But then one other thing that I think is super differentiating about this team is this team is super old. So I'm excited to see a week or two into practice when everything's all installed and the new guys are caught up to speed as much as they can, just how cohesive this unit will look with so many upperclassmen. That's one thing that I'm super excited to they're see. They're super old. They are super old. I mean, you think about... Well, experienced. Experienced. There we go. <laughs> I can call them old. Because <laughs> um, they're like
2: my age. But
0: right. <laughs> Scott Hecklin, final thoughts? Um,
2: my final thoughts are just I get, I get the itch like... Right after um 4th of July, fourth of July yeah. is when the itch starts for me where I'm like, all right. When the preseason match yeah, come let's get going. And um, So I'm kind of in that mode where I'm just like, I want to see some football. I'm tired of just having us opine about, oh, no, the Huskies missed out on this guy. The Huskies missed out on that guy. Why aren't we recruiting this guy harder? Why aren't we recruiting that mm-hmm. guy harder? Now we can actually talk about who stunk it up in practice today and why are so many receivers dropping footballs and why can't Jacob – uh, Brown or Jake Browning throw up more than forty yards. So those are what I'm really looking forward those to. Those
3: complaints, yeah. <laughs>
0: Jesus. I'm just getting ready to rock and roll and just getting this thing going. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, we've had a little bit of time off, just like the coaches. But you know, the, the June and July are always our slowest months. So now we're ready to kick it back in. And just for the record, you know, uh, Scott Eklund, Chris Fetters, you know, when it comes to chow, they can really put it away. But Luke Munger tonight put everybody to shame. I mean, Luke was ju- Luke tonight. Pil- yeah. Luke chowed down tonight.
3: I mean- college student that says no to a free steak and cheesecake yeah yeah yeah, you you
0: chow down so anyways no just looking forward to getting this thing going again huskystadium at gmail.com subject line newsletter we'll get those daily updates in your inbox and also we've been doing this since 1997 so you know this is 21 years we've been doing this i think we do a pretty good job of what we do for those of you who subscribe we truly appreciate you for those who subscribe and they have friends Tell them to subscribe to us. Get them out on the message boards. Get them active out there. Nobody does it better than us, and we work our butts off, and we appreciate all the loyalty. So, again, we're looking forward to this thing starting on Thursday. Look for some basketball stuff to come up soon. Uh, you know, check the message board tomorrow. Put a little, uh, few tidbits out there on a uh, possible transfer uh, from Kansas. We'll try to update you tomorrow on what's going on with that. So, hey, from all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Grenelton. I said check tomorrow check Wednesday morning. We'll have something out there. So uh, I'm Kim Gerlens from dogman.com along with Chris Fetters, Scott Eklund, and Luke Munger. Go dogs!